Good day. My name is Leora Zach, and I'm a client solutions specialist in the Family Office Solutions team here at UBS. Family Office Solutions consists of dedicated specialists who work with our private wealth advisors to deliver holistic advice to the firm's wealthiest families. Our solutions include areas such as succession planning, income tax strategies, family office advisory, philanthropy, family advisory, and art advisory, to name a few. We are solely focused on advancing our platform and resources targeted to the family office select segment. The focus of today's discussion will be around how family office executives that are new in the role can better understand how to operate within a family office. The focus here is how families balance both their values, but also the growth of their financial resources, whether that's through their investment portfolio or their family business. We're joined today by Mark Tepsik, Family Office Governance and Design Strategist here at UBS. Mark has over a decade of experience working within a single family office as their general counsel. As a Family Office Governance and Design Strategist, he helps families think through their family office design, both in the startup phase, but also consults with more mature family offices that are looking to evolve their practices. In addition to the family, he is also often in close contact with family office executives as they build out the family office infrastructure for the family that they serve. Shifting now to our Q&A session. Mark, you recently wrote an article for family office executives to help them better understand their role and the family that they serve. Can you provide some more background on this piece and some of the key highlights? Yeah, of course. Thank you, Leora. So, you know, many times when a family office executive is new to the role and coming from a pure investment tax or legal background from outside the family office industry, they often think that the analysis they're so used to doing should lead the family to the correct answer to help the family make the best optimal decision. And yeah, most times they're correct. Um, so whether that's investment due diligence, tax or legal analysis should yield the proposed outcome and the family decision then generally follow suit. However, that's not always the case. Um, wealthy families have the luxury of making decisions that are not purely financial, that are made based, frankly, more on values um, than a pure tax, legal, or financial analysis. But again, they're still in it to you know, preserve capital and make money, but just know that they're also led by their values. And can you explain what you mean when you say that a wealthy family is the original B Corp and how this differs from other common corporate structures in place today? Yeah, so when you think about a B Corp, a B Corp is a for-profit enterprise, so it's not not profit, right? Um, so B Corps, they want to make a profit, but they also have a purpose that they're trying to benefit. So for instance, you know, they're trying to benefit the environment or the community in which they operate in while also making a profit. So they try to balance both profit and purpose. So one example I'll use is Patagonia. When they're, when they're, you know, they're often, they have to put out a great product, right? That's what keeps their business sustainable. But they're also doing it in a way that is environmentally sustainable, and they're donating money to causes like land, water, climate, community, and biodiversity conservation. Another example I use is Warby Parker. So for every, um, you know, eyewear piece of eyeglasses that they sell, they also donate, um, you know, eyeglasses to people that are those in need 
or to community organizations that they can put those to work. And so it's not something that they also do, right? They, it's, it's frankly part of the core or purpose of what they do and how they do it. And so when I make the analogy that families are the original B Corps, you know, families, they also try to balance profit and purpose. And that is usually informed by their values. Okay. And can you provide some examples of what this looks like in practice and what family office executives face as they come across this when working with families? Of course. So let's use investments, for example. So, you know, family office executive is doing analysis or they're doing due diligence on a startup business, um, you know, some some venture in the family communities in which the family lives. Okay. And so the family office executives, you know, they're undergoing the analysis, undergoing the due diligence, and they're saying to the family, listen, this probably doesn't make sense to, you know, make an investment in this venture. Uh, another example is a family's outgrown their longtime attorney or frankly, really any advisor, but the family continues to use him or her. Another example, you know, it's more of a family business example, but it might be continuing to use a supplier that is more expensive when there's other options that are available in the marketplace. And another example, it's more of a tax example is, you know, a family is making donations to a local civic charitable organization, but the family can't really use up those donations, right, for the foreseeable future. They just keep rolling over um, to the next year, to the next year, because they just, the family might not have income to match uh, the deductions. So those are just a few of the examples. And how does this relate to family office executives and the the role that they play within the uh, family office? Yeah, so a family office executive, they're helping the family to make decisions, right? Um, They're usually providing advice or opinions on some of the stuff that I just mentioned. So I'm going to reframe some of those things that I mentioned. And so I'll use the first example. So family office executives are asked to conduct due diligence on a startup, you know, the analysis indicates that the venture should not be funded, but the family wants to fund fund uh, the venture and give the entrepreneur money anyways. And so, okay, why? Well, because the family thinks, listen, I'm going to help somebody else be successful. I'm going to give them an opportunity. Maybe this goes on to create jobs in the community in which they live. So they're seeing, so it's not, you know, is the family interested in a return? Yeah but there are other competing interests at work here. Um, and here, you know, it's helping somebody, um, giving them an opportunity. It's maybe benefiting the community. It's going to create jobs in the community, right, if that venture is ultimately successful. Another example I'll use here is, you know, a family office executive is asked to coordinate with, you know, tax legal advisors, and I'll just use outside counsel, for example. And so, you know, after after the family office executive is, coordinating with this council and speaking to him or her for a while, they're like, they tell the family, listen, you've outgrown the sophistication of this council. And so we should probably look to, to really upgrade here. You know, the sophistication isn't there, but that council may have been with the family through different times, right? They have, they may understand the family dynamics. They may know how to bring the family together. There's probably some shared history there. They have a long institutional knowledge of the family. And so the family's loyal to this person, right? Whatever the advisor may be. And you'll see that oftentimes. And coming from outside the family office environment, they often look, in my opinion, that families should just rationally and, you know, coldly make decision 
on what to do, whether that's tax, legal, financial, investments, or otherwise. Again, I'll, I'll use the family business supplier as an example. You know, maybe there's some shared history there. Maybe that supplier stuck with the family business through difficult times and extended them flexible trade credit, and so they can continue to use the supplier. That doesn't mean that these are open-ended engagements or relationships, right? They have their limits, but just know that sometimes these things are working in the background. Um, you know, and so family offices, they, they don't understand why families make some of these decisions, you know, coming from those pure financial, legal, or tax backgrounds. But that's kind of the environment in which they've got brought into. You're working with a family and not necessarily a business, and a business often has a pure financial motive attached to it, especially when there's outside shareholders, right? So just that those are my thoughts on that. And can you also share some insight on when families could have used better guidance in making these decisions? Yeah, so let's let's just look at, um, you know, investment due diligence and maybe that entrepreneur seeking an investment and these are the terms and this is, you know, the facility in which they're going to invest if they're seeking investment, maybe straight up equity. But there's often better ways to do some of this stuff for the family. So they, so families really need to be informed, one, of how their proposed actions are going to benefit the family, how many decisions are made, or is it going to be positive and negative for, you know, across the family enterprise, whether that's the portfolio or the family business. Um, because the family still needs to have a sustainable enterprise. Without that, they cannot advance the, their values and make some of these decisions, which sometimes can seem illogical. It just really just don't make sense. So a family office can also propose better alternatives to fill the family's goals and objectives in doing some of these things. So, I'll just, you know, for, for example, so investment, again, maybe the entrepreneur is looking for straight-up equity, but may, maybe taking a convertible note makes more sense for the family and the entrepreneur. Um, maybe it's also taking some seats on the board to help steer this company um, to better outcomes. Maybe it's providing a little bit of operational support in, in addition to pure financial support that comes with that, right? So I'll, I'll use the external counsel as an example. Maybe it's not telling the family that they should get rid of the external counsel wholeheartedly. Maybe it's saying, hey, let's keep this person around for X, Y, and Z endeavors, but let's supplement him or her with somebody that's more sophisticated because you have to look at it as, you know, the family today is going to be different from the family tomorrow. So you don't want to have these negative decisions, which aren't necessarily always negative, by the way, to impact, again, the sustainability of the family enterprise. Um, and those are just a couple examples there. And how do you suggest the family office executive navigate this discussion with the family when they're making these types of decisions and the um, executive truly thinks it's a poor decision. Yeah. So you, so the family office executive, you know, let's just say they've been having conversations with this entrepreneur, right? Cause oftentimes what you'll find is, you know, the family will say, Hey, talk to so-and-so, you know, he's got a business seeking investments, talk to him, gather information, see what we could do here. And so there's a fine line between, having your own personal opinion and and also doing the due diligence and in, in coming to a conclusion based on that. And so you might not think that that entrepreneur is up to snuff, but for whatever reason, the family believes in him or her, and they're going to eventually, and you know you probably understand this after working for a family a while, that they're going to still make the, the investment decision. 
to, to fund this person's venture, right, to an extent. And so it's helping the family be informed um, on a more global basis, meaning how does this impact the family enterprise if you go and make this decision? How is this going to impact the entrepreneur and their business? Is there a better way to do things? Um, you know, those are, those are really, it's, it's taking a step back and really thinking about what are the goals and objectives here in the family and how to both advance those, but also advance that entrepreneur uh, in his or her business. Um, that's just an example. So in looking at all the information shared today, how do you suggest family office executives best use this information? Yeah, I mean, listen, if you know, most family office executives are coming from background in tax, legal, investment, financial, where they're working for a business or they're at a firm, right, like a law firm or an accounting firm. And so just know that they hired, you know, you for this role, right? They value the role. And so don't get disheartened if you, if your analysis says don't fund this endeavor and the family's like, well, we're going to fund it anyways. So it's really helping the family office executives to understand the environment that they're walking into. It's not a coldly rational environment, right? It's you're dealing with a family. And so when you're dealing with the family, you're trying to advance their interests, not only tax, legal, financial investments or business, but you're also advancing their values. Okay. And so when you're doing that, let's give, give them an informed opinion so they can make better decisions, but just know at the end of the day that it's up to them to an extent. And if they choose to do X, Y, or Z, even though you told them not to, they still value your opinion at the end of the day, um, if that makes any sense. Great. And um, as we wrap up, can you leave our listeners with a few uh, last-minute key takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, when you're working for a family, this is part of also what makes it interesting, right? It's not just a coldly rational investment analysis due diligence, or it's not the tax acumen or the legal acumen. That's a huge piece of it. But what keeps it interesting is understanding what makes a family tick. Um, so that's probably one takeaway. The other takeaway is um, the more you work with the family, the more you're going to understand them. And so if you're, if you're trying to get to understand your client better and advance their interests, um, just helping advance their causes, their values, right, um, and maybe their philosophy it's going to be more evident over time. The more you work with the family, the more you see them make decisions and how they look at things. Um, and the, those are probably the key takeaways there is just, again, you're walking into an environment which is not coldly, you know, rational or logical. There's values at work here, and you might not always understand them at first glance. Well, thank you, Mark, for your time today. This was very insightful. We really appreciate your time. If you have any other questions for the folks that are joining today, please reach out to your private wealth advisor or the Family Office Solutions team. We thank you all for joining and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Leora.
As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.